years, and all of a sudden a divorce takes place. A change takes place. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. Really wasn't looking for it. But the change takes place. Change is all about us. The issue is how well do we adapt to the change? Do we accept the change? And those are the things sometimes we struggle with. But you need to look at change as opportunity. As opportunity. Opportunity that God's going to work in your life. God's going to do something different in your life. And for God to do that, there are some things we have to learn. I want to put them right up front. And I hope that we'll see them as we go through the text. First Samuel chapter 9 and chapter 10 as we run through there. Number one, that we need to humble ourselves before God. You need to know the one who's going to bring about positive change in your life. And the Lord says, humble yourself under his mighty hand. That in due time he will do what? He will exalt you. God wants to exalt every one of his children. He wants to put us on a platform. He wants to show us off. But he's not going to show off our filth. He's not going to show off our dirt. He's not going to show off our disobedience. What he wants to show off is an individual who is obedient unto him and who he has poured his blessings into to make other people jealous and envious. God wants to show you off. But you have to be willing to humble yourself and really recognize this is not something you've done, but who's done it? God's done it. Secondly, give up your effort to change others. You can't change anybody. You can't change your husband. You really can't change your children. All we can do is point them in the right direction. Only thing we can do is give them right and proper information. We can't change them. So we need to stop trying to change others, but submit to God's change in our own life. Because God's working in us. That's why the Lord says, sometime, boy, you're so busy trying to get a splinter out of somebody else's eye, why you got a beam, what? In your own, you see. And then he third, he says, don't insist on having your own way. And how many of us do that? I'm going to have life my way no matter what. I'll go through the pain, I'll go through the hurt, I'll go through the suffering, I'll go without having, but I'm going to do it my way. And God let you have it your way. Fourthly, admit that God is all-powerful and place your life under his control. See, a lot of us have not come to that conclusion that God really is all-powerful, that God really can move mountains, God can open doors, God can set me in high places alone. God is all-powerful. And because he's all-powerful, I can put my life into his hands. And when I do that, I'm obedient to him. Because who am I trusting for the outcome? God. I'm not trying to finagle the outcome. I'm just obedient and I leave the, as Charles Stanley say, leave the results to my God. And then he says, submit to God's way. That's the hardest place for you and I to find ourselves. We fight with that. And we're going to see... Saul fighting with that. And, you might, and what we'll see throughout Saul's life, we're not going to be able to look at all Saul's life, but if you were just to pick Saul out himself in the Old Testament, King Saul, he never really willingly, and that's what I want to emphasize, willingly submitted to God's way. And he lost it all. He lost it all. The opportunity was there to be a great king. The opportunity was there to have more riches. The opportunity was there. But he did not seize the opportunity. And oftentimes for you and I, the opportunity is there. But we will not grasp it. We will not go after it. We're not willing to change in order To really see the opportunity that our God is really giving to us.
Some things in life you have to consider loss. Period. In order for you to move on with what you have to focus on. At the present time. You just have to consider that thing lost. I bought a brand new saw. Had it for about seven, eight months. Then we was putting the stages in. Then I had to come cut these boxes out. And the first time I ever used that saw, the motor burned out. So I wrapped it up, ran back out to the store, told the guy, hey, this thing is the first time I've ever used it. I think guy told me, well, you didn't take the warranty out on it. But you think the company would warrant it for a year or something, you know. But the motor burned out the first time I ever put it in the wood. Well, I had a choice. I could keep arguing about the saw, or I could find another means to cut the holes. One or the other. And, and see, I, I have that dilemma around my house sometimes. See, Elaine can lose something and move on very quickly. I can lose something. I'll stop everybody in the house. We're going to find this thing today. Now, we're going to stop doing whatever we're doing. The kids used to get upset with me. Because if I didn't find it, everybody in the house stopped. Until we found that one thing. And I got an old raggedy sweatshirt. But it knows how to lay on my shoulders. You know, I, I've taught it how to move with my elbows, you know, even got the creases that even when it gets washed, they're still there and everything. It knows how to. It feels so comfortable. And they got three little ducks on the front. I've been looking for that thing all year and I can't find it. I have my suspicions of what happened to it. <laughs> hey, hey. But I'm old enough now in marriage, there's no use fighting about it. Let's just have peace and move on, you know. Remember a couple weeks ago, I told you about my pipe wrenches being lost? And I told you if God wanted them in my life, he'll bring them. He knows exactly what. Yeah. But I had to do a job, so I had to go out and buy some new pipe wrenches. I went out and I bought them. Two days later, I find my old ones. So I'm saying, well, God has a purpose for me buying them new ones or he wouldn't have misplaced them old ones. So whatever's coming in the future, I'm going to need the new ones with the old ones. And you need to have this understanding. Whatever God wants in your life that's part of your old life, he'll preserve it or he'll bring it back into your life. No. He'll bring it back. He'll bring it back. And, and, and you have to just be ready. To make change. You have to see it as lost sometime. Something that you may hold even valuable. It's gone now. However, God knows where it is. If he wants it back in your life, guess what? He has a way of bringing it back into your life. And he'll do it every time. Saul was given a great opportunity. Saul was given a change of a lifetime, an opportunity of a lifetime. And he missed it. He missed it. He missed it because he could not refocus. He missed it because he didn't really care about the things of God. He missed it because he was not willing to really submit to the will of God. He missed so much, all because of his own attitude about what God was trying to do in his life. And you need to understand something. God is working in your life. But it's your attitude, it's, it's, it's your mindset that keeps God from doing his very best in your life. When you go to... 1 Samuel 9.2. You, you hear this about Samuel. There was a Benjamin, verse 1. A Benjamite. A man 
of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, and the son of Zerah, the son of Bekorah, and the son of Alphakah, of Benjamin. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man, without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any other. The only thing that's brought out about Saul's quality was just that he was a head taller than everybody else. One author puts it this way. He may have been tall enough to be king, but he didn't have the intellect and the wisdom to be king. You may look good on the outside, but that author was stating his intellect and wisdom is hid where at? On the inside, and people can't see that. What they can see is your outer continent. And that's what they saw about Saul, that he was a head taller than any of the other Israelites. But does that really qualify you to be king? And to be the king over Israel, there really is no qualifications per se that any man would have had. But it's what God would have done and accepting what God does in your life. None of us are worthy to be servants of God. But it's what God does in us that really allows us to be his servants and to be faithful in serving him. He had no heart for the things of God. Even though change is still going to take place in his life, he really had no heart in really following after the Lord. He had no heart for the will of God. He had no heart of being obedient to God. He did not have a heart for God. And one of the things about change, because God is the author of change, is the one that you've got to have a heart for. If you don't have a heart for God, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And you have to believe that God is out to do good to you. That he means good to you. God isn't worried about trying to take your little earthly joys and your little earthly comforts. God has something far greater for you. But you're the one who has to believe that. We have to believe it. That God has something much, much better for me than what I could ever plan for myself. And Saul couldn't see that. Saul couldn't see that. So he didn't really have a heart for God. And there is no scripture showing that Saul was after God. That Saul was really in love with God. Saul was in love with Saul. He wasn't even in love with God's people. But he was in love with himself. But Saul's father asked him to go do something, to go look for his donkeys, because his donkeys were lost. So in 9.3, we pick up, now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. And it tells us the places in the following verses where he went to look. He went to Ephraim. Uh, he, he, he went to these different towns. He's looking for his father's donkeys. And the servant's looking with him. I want you to take a note here about Saul. In verse 6, because it's so important. He went looking... But look what verse 6 says and tells us. I'm sorry, go to verse 5 first. When they reached the district of Zufa, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back, or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. That might be true about the father. The father could say, well, my child's been gone too long, and I kind of wish my child would go ahead and return home. That could be true. 
But I want you to take and really look at Saul here for a moment because this is us. The Father can give us a command and because we've done it for a while or it becomes hard and we don't see any fruit from it, we begin to do what? Give up. Now, there's an important lesson here in that. And you're going to see it in verse 6 when we look at it. Saul, in one sense, was obedient to his father that he went and looked for the donkeys. But he did not have the same value for the donkeys that his father had nor the servant had. And you have to understand the donkeys at that time was like a man today with his pickup truck. You take Larry's pickup truck from him, you lie. It's like having a pickup truck that can haul your stuff. It can move your stuff. Uh, It's important to you because of what it can do. That's what a donkey was. And the donkeys are lost. And Saul said, let's return home because my dad may start worrying about me. But the servant is the one who has the values on the donkey. And that verse states something else about Saul. Saul was not thinking about religious folks or Saul wasn't thinking about God. And it's the servant who says in verse 6, there's a godly man in this next town. Let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go and let's inquire of this godly man. And Again, in 5, Saul says, let's go home. But in verse 6, but the servant replied, look in this town. There is a man of God. Now look what else he's going to say about him. He is highly respected. Not only is he a man of God, but he's what? Highly respected. People understand that about a person. If he has the title, he's religious, or he's a man or woman of God, second question is this. Are they highly respected by the people? People can look highly religious. People can have all kind of titles before names. But the issue is, how do the people talk about them? Are they held high in respect? That doesn't say that you like me. But you respect me for what I stand for. And it says, he's highly respected. And then the servant says something else about him. Whatever he says always come what? It comes to pass. Whatever he says, it comes to pass. He's a godly man. He's highly respected. And what he says comes to pass. Now, Saul really didn't know anything about much about this man as far as this. But this servant knew about this man of God, Samuel. Where was the servant's mind as far as God? And where was Saul's mind? Catching the picture a little bit? The one who should have known there's a man of God close by should have been the master. But rather it's the servant. And the servant says, hey, there's a man of God here in this next town. And he's highly respected. And what he says comes to pass. Now, the point, Saul had no clue that going to meet Saul, Samuel, was going to be a divine appointment. Saul had no clue. For God had not even spoken to Saul, per se. But the verse verse tells us that, boy, God did speak to Samuel and begin to prepare Samuel. I imagine Samuel had all kinds of questions. Lord, what qualifies this man to be king? Lord, how did you find him? Where is he coming from? But it says that God spoke to Samuel and prepared Samuel to receive Let me share something with some of you. God has spoken to you to receive certain people 
who you are to minister to. Now it's a matter of you being obedient or disobedient. You can question the whole outlook of the person. But God brought them into your life. And here with Samuel, he's going to meet this Saul. And I like what one author brings out. Samuel was not somebody you could just run up to and say, hey, I need to talk to you for a little bit. Because he was highly respected, Samuel was like a counselor that everybody wanted to what? See, and you had to make an appointment if you were going to see this man of God, Samuel. But God had somehow put Saul up to the top of the list. And Samuel was ready for him. He didn't know him, per se, because Scripture will tell us that God pointed Saul out to Samuel. And you need to understand something. That's what happens in life. God points out people to us, brings people to us who we are to minister to. And that sometimes troubles us. Because, see, I didn't ask for it. Samuel didn't ask to minister to Saul. Samuel didn't say, oh God, bring a Saul, bring me this person. No, God just in a sense dumps this rebellious man into Samuel's lap. That Samuel supposed to work with. Now Samuel can only do what Samuel is supposed to do and be obedient to God. And that person has to do what they need to do to be obedient to God if the change is going to really take place. Catch that picture. Each one of us are responsible for our obedience to who? Yeah. Not really if I like it, don't like it, don't want to do it. It's my obedience to God because God's dumped him into my lap in a sense. When you get into verses 15 through 17, we're going to see a little bit more. Because it says, when you come down into verse 15, well, let's go to verse 8. The servant answered him again. Look, he said, I have a quarter of a shackle of silver. I'll give it to the man of God so that he will tell us what way to take. Now, now, if you don't have anything else, underline that part right there about Saul. That he has the confidence that this man of God will be able to tell him which way to take. Where to go? What is he looking for? Remember what he's looking for? His father's what? His father's donkeys. I want you to hold that in your mind. Because sometimes what you're looking for, God's going to say, forget it. Forget it. Put that in your mind. He's being obedient to his earthly father. Go look for my donkeys. But when God says forget it, we need to what? Forget it. Forget it. Because God at that point has a higher purpose for us. And he says, I have the money. I have whatever a gift. Because whenever you went to see the man, you leave some type of gift. You you would give something to Samuel. And Saul, he didn't have it. But the servant has it. And he's willing to get it in order to get the information about where the father's donkeys are. He's willing to make that sacrifice. When you get to fifteen seventeen, he says, Now, the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a young man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him leader over my people Israel. Now Samuel only has to be what? Obedient. This is what I want you to do, Samuel. 
Now, Samuel could question about Saul's character. And I'm quite sure he did by the reaction of Saul and how Saul behaved. That there were some questions about this young man's qualification and his character and his heart and his willingness. But yet, Saul's responsibility is to be obedient and Samuel's responsibility is to be obedient. If positive change is really going to take place, one person can tell you everything that God wants from you. They can even help you move out of your miserable situation. They can change your locations. They can set you up. But that old proverb about you can take the boy out the country, but you don't what? And that reverses. You can take the boy out of the city, but the city's still in there. And that's what's happening with Saul. God wants to make the change and and Saul's going to miss this great opportunity of God changing his life, of God moving upon his life. And he didn't recognize it as a divine appointment, that somehow God was intervening here. People, when God is doing something in your life, and he brings somebody different in your life, or you're hearing something different and strange that somebody is saying to you that might catch you off guard a little bit, you need to ask the question, God, are you talking to me? God, are you about ready to make a change in my life? God, do you want to do something different in my life? And be willing to admit to God, Lord, whatever you want to do, do it. Do it. And I'll be obedient. I'll be obedient. And he came back there. He says, in chapter 9, he said, boy, Here's Benjamin, I'm going to send him to you, anoint him as leader over my people Israel. He will deliver my people from the hands of the Philistines. I have looked upon my people, for their city has reached me, for their cry has reached me. And when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. Who's pointing him out? They didn't know each other. They didn't know each other. So God, in a way, are introducing them to each other. When you get into verse 18 of it, you really see they didn't know each other. Saul didn't know Samuel. And the question comes in, why? Come to eight, verse 18 with me. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer house is? I am the seer. They didn't know each other. This is their first time meeting each other. But God set this divine appointment up. And God is bringing Saul to where he wants Saul to serve. He wants Saul to change. He wants Saul to be different. God can want it. God can desire it. But God will not force it on us. He will not force it on us. He goes a little further. In 19. He says, I am the seer. And Samuel replied, Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me, and in the morning I will let you go, and will tell you all that is in your heart. Now, now, now catch that. I'm going to tell you everything that's in your heart. I'm going to tell you. And, and, and look what Samuel said. When change is going to take place, something valuable has to happen. What oftentimes we miss, but you can go through Scripture, and I never thought about it until you begin to examine it through Scripture. 
Boy, Joshua spent time with Moses in order for Moses to change Joshua to be the next leader. Timothy spent time with Paul. And you can see it. Barnabas spent time with Paul. You can see that Whenever change is going to take place, God sets some people around you or a person next to you that you have to spend some time with. And if you're not willing to spend the time with that person, it's going to affect how great the change is going to be. But when you're willing to spend the time for God can pour out of that person into you what he wants you to know, then the change can have a great effect. But even after you receive the knowledge of it, because see, you can be a hearer of it, but you do not really receive it inwardly, where you are embracing it. Saul heard it, but he didn't embrace it. He's hearing, but he did not embrace. He never allowed his will to become God's will. But Samuel's making it very clear to him, we're going to spend some time together. And I'm going to tell you everything that's on your heart. We're going to spend the night together even. And I'll let you go tomorrow. And then catch what I told you to hold in mind about the donkeys. Look what he says in that verse then. Boy, I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me, the high place, for today you are to eat with me. And in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. Look at verse 20 now. As for the donkeys, you lost three days ago. Do not worry about them. They have been found. In other words, God knows where the donkeys are. You don't, but God does. They're doing well. They're okay. God's taking care of them. Well, what God is concerned about is this, is you. How many of you can catch that? And you're going to find through this story, and in in a sense in life, Saul never lets go of the donkeys. When you are not willing to let go of your path, you can't see your future. Even though God gives you a vision of it, you can't see it because God can't take your eyes off your donkeys. One author is really blunt about this because he uses the other vernacular of the word donkey and he says you can't take your eyes off your own. Isn't it good to have a mind where you can imagine? <laughs> hey. And you can't go any further because you can't get your eyes off your donkeys. That you guys still deal with your past. Hey. And he says, boy, don't worry about them no more. Don't worry about them anymore. Because God is going to give you a new charge. God wants you to do something different. And he tells him right there what God wants him to focus on. He says, boy, as for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. And to whom is all the desires of Israel turned if not to you? Huh? Huh? All Israel's desires are turned to me now? I got to take care of Israel. I got to deal with these people. I got to be God's servant, God's king in serving these people. Saul very quickly says, I don't want it. (laughs) And sometimes when God brings opportunity before us and change before us, guess what we say? I don't want that. I don't want that. From our perspective, it looked like it's going to be too hard. But the part that we don't understand is this. If we say yes, God will do it. God's just going to use me as a figurehead, as a figure to be used to work through. But God will do the work. I just got to say yes. 
and let God do it. Okay. And, and, and look what else he's going to say. And Saul answered. Now listen to his answer to, to Samuel. But am I not a Benjamin from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? Does it sound like Moses? But the difference with Moses is that he accepted with a willing heart and trusted God. And he says, why are you saying such things to me? I don't wonder. I didn't ask them. I come here to find out where them donkeys were. I didn't come to find out about this. I want to know where my donkeys are. That's where his mindset is at, on his past, on his donkeys. Point. Are you ready to hear from God? Do you really want to hear from God? If you don't want to hear from God, you won't. You'll shut it down. Even though somebody is speaking truth to you of what God wants for your life and what God is trying to make changes in your life, you will shut it down. You will hear, but you will not hear. Remember the Lord says they have ears to hear, but they choose what? Not to hear. They have eyes to see, but they choose not to see. At least they would understand. We shut it down. We shut it down. We choose to shut it down. Because God has brought this man into our life, this divine appointment he bought, that Samuel would explain everything to him and even tell him about his own heart. And yet, he doesn't want to hear. So when you get over to 1 Samuel 25, Look at verse 25, 9, 25, chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. Listen to how Saul is going to talk to him. Now remember, Saul said, come on, we're going to go home this evening. We're going to break bread together, and I'm going to sit, and I'm going to tell you everything that's on your heart, and, and I'm going to let you know. You don't have to even worry about the donkeys. They're okay. They're being taken care of. But the question really lies, do I want to hear are we willing to do what God want us, want us to do? That's so important. So when you get to 25, he says, After they came down from the high place to the town, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof. What is Samuel doing? He's talking. He talked that evening. Talking this morning. He's talking. He's sharing with Saul. They rose about daybreak, and Samuel called to Saul on the roof, Get ready, and I will send you on your way. When Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together. As they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, Now listen, listen to this, put it very important. Because sometimes when God wants to talk to you personally, he sends everybody else what? Because God wants your attention. Listen to what he says. Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here a while. So that I may give you a message from God. That I may give you what kind of message? Not my message. But a message from God. One Boy, if the servant may have heard it, he wouldn't know how to handle it. Because usually when we hear it ourselves, we don't know how to handle it. Let alone somebody else hearing it. Plus the message was not for the servant. It was for who? It was for Saul. It was for Saul. When God wants to speak to us, believe me, he'll speak. If he has to use the messenger as a Saul, he will do that. The question is, are we willing to hear in order that the change might take place? 
He moves on a little bit further. God gave evidence to Saul that this is really God working in your life. And Saul, from first part of 10, all the way down through 8, are things that are going to happen in Saul's life. And he tells him, on your way back home, as you're traveling, you're going to meet up with some other prophets and so forth. And guess what? You're going, you're going to join in with them, and you're going to prophesy. And, I'll, and God's going to put his spirit upon you. So God's going to allow him to know. See, when, when God's changing our lives, he allows us to know, but we have to observe. We have to be willing to step into it. We have to be willing to say yes, Lord, to it. So he allows Paul, Saul, to speak, to prophesy. And even the people were caught off guard. And they said, boy, is Saul a prophet too now? That he's prophesying. Is he also? So when you get over... In the verse 11 of chapter 10 it says, When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets now? Is that what he's been called to do? One of God's signs for him personally to know God's working. When God works in your life, he will let you know personally it's him. If you're willing to acknowledge and willing to see. If he opens a door, you know you didn't open that door. He did it. If he calls somebody to come along and befriend you and be kind to you, God's at work. Just don't throw that off as somebody being kind to you. If somebody's come along to help you, to assist you, and they're not charging you, and, and, and they're going to help teach you and give you the proper information and wisdom and knowledge in order for you to perform. That's God setting somebody around you. That's God enriching you. And the whole thing is that, boy, he will take place. Now, come down into verse 6 and verse 10. Look at what God is saying. And this is all going to happen to Saul. For that Saul can know God wants to make this change in your life. God wants to. He says, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be what? Changed. Now, understand, there's temporary change, there's ongoing change. Temporary change, you're going to change for them. I see you never prophesy. There's going to be a change on you right now that you're going to what? You're going to prophesy. Temporary change. Just for you to know God's working in your life. Let's go a little bit further. Change. And into a different person. See? Now, one of the things that recognize that he changed, he's a different person. When the people saw him, who knew him, they no longer just looked at him as what? As Saul. But the question is, is he a prophet now? So they're not seeing him in the same light they once saw him in. They're seeing him in a different light. When change really going to take place in your life, people will see you in a different light. And he... He goes on, he says, into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hands find to do, for God is with you. Now, that's going to take Saul believing. God says, now, once these signs are fulfilled in your life, do whatever you want to do. Why? God's with you. And you can do that. That's confidence. But you've got to believe God is what? With you. 
And you can start doing what you want to do and let God work through you and let God then just do the blessing. You may not see how it's going to work, but what works for you is obedience. You may not understand how the outcome is going to really come together and, and really be a benefit to you or a blessing to you, but your job is just to be obedient. And he tells him, do whatever your hands find to do, for God is with you. Do it. Do it. Because, see, you're the one who has to understand God is the one elevating you. God's the one putting you in this position. God is the one who's bringing about change. God is doing it. And God wants you to have the confidence that he is doing it. It's not just happening by chance. It's just not by luck. It's not by your trickery or deceptiveness that you got other people to do something for you. But you understand it's God working in your life. God's making the change. God's making the difference. God's modifying your, your, your life. God's adding something into your life. God's doing it. But he says, boy, I'm going to make a change here in this person. And then Samuel gives him instruction. Go down to Gilgal and I'll meet you down there. But how do we know that Saul did not really accept the change that Samuel was talking about? How do we know that? It's because of what Scripture tells us. And I want you to look at it in a way about your own life. In your own life. About what Scripture is telling you. We're often willing to accept the blessings of God, but we're not willing to accept God's way of life. We're willing to accept the things of God, but we're not willing to be obedient to God. Saul was made king, and we all know that. But I want you to look at three things, because we don't have time to really go into them right now, but three things that you really see in Saul's life. One, Saul was a person who could not take instructions. Even when it came to a point when God gave them victory and he was to kill the king and kill all the animals, Saul came up with a reason why he didn't do it. Whether he was influenced by his soldiers or whatever, he did not follow out with the instructions that God had gave through Samuel. And as you look in Saul's life all the way through, you'll see that Saul never follows instructions. The second thing you'll find about Saul, and this is what takes place in our own personal life that causes us to struggle, because God is talking to us, and we're talking to ourselves. God's trying to impose his will upon us, but we want our own will, and we want to carry out our own will. We find that we are very angry people. Because we don't know the peace of God. And we're angry. And you look at Saul's life, you'll find a very angry man. Angry with his wife. Even how he portrays his wife in the story with Jonathan. You rebellious son, born of your mother. Angry with his wife. That whole area being angry with David. The whole area being angry with Jonathan. He even got to a point he was angry with Saul because you hear Saul say this. If I go sacrifice like you're telling me, remember, hey, Saul's looking for me. <laughs> Saul may harm me. And God says, tell him you're going to do a sacrifice when he's going to go what? Anoint David. <laughs> so it shows that they're not friends really. Because Samuel's worried about what Saul will do to him. The third thing. Yeah, you want what God has, but you don't want to do it God's way. You'll discover that Saul wanted to pass the kingdom on over to who? 
Jonathan. And nowhere in Scripture will you find Samuel saying that the kingdom is yours, Saul, is always God's. The people are always God. But we want to take the things of God and we want to own them and we want to be able to pass them on as though we are the owners of them. And Saul also wanted to do that same thing. He wanted to pass this thing on. And Samuel even told him, if you would have followed instructions, if you would have been obedient, if you would have been this, then your kingdom would have been been established forever. Those are some powerful words, especially since we see David on the scene later on. But he missed the opportunity. He missed the opportunity because he would not follow instructions. He missed the opportunity because, boy, he's battling with God and he's angry all his life. He's missed the opportunity because he never saw Israel really as the people of God. This is the kingdom of God that I am only a servant of God ministering to the people of God. Never saw that. Never saw that. When you get into verse 14 and 15, it really then explodes that if I prophesied and I spent all day with Samuel and Samuel had told me everything that's in my heart, Samuel even told me don't even worry about the donkeys. Boy, I would have been excited about spending time with that man of God. Just think of somebody that you want to spend time with. And they came by and really spent time with you. How special would that be? When that person left, would you call? Would you get on the phone and start calling people? Yeah. You'll let people know so-and-so came by your house. You were able to spend some time with so-and-so. You know, I remember my dad, boy, the night he met B.B. King, and they went backstage and everything. Him and his date, boy, they went back. He was just like a little child because he loved B.B. King, and he loved the jazz. And, boy, he went backstage, and he met B.B. King. When he got home that night, he called, Gus, guess who I met? I don't know, Dad. Who? <laughs> you know, I went backstage, and I met B.B. King. Got his picture with B.B. King in there. All excited about it. Ninety-something years old, getting excited. You know. When God does something in your life, and you really know it's God, you're going to be excited about it. And you're going to tell others about it. Start with me in verse 14 in chapter 10. Now Saul's uncle asked him, and his servant, where have you been? Well, like he knows, boy, you've been looking for the donkeys because your father sent you on that one. Where have you been? Look what he said. Looking for the donkeys, he said. But when he saw they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. It had to be a, 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 a silence there for a moment. Okay, you went to Samuel. Uncle knows about Samuel. Uncle is excited that his nephew went to Samuel. Uncle's excited that Samuel would even see you, spend time with you, talking with you. You spent time with the greatest prophet at this time in our life, and he's here. You spent time. I haven't had the chance to spend time with him. You spent time with him? He talked directly to you? You were able to go to his house and eat? You were able to sit up on the roof with him and talk? You have to understand, only special friends went up to the roof to talk. Catch this now. Look at verse 15. Saul's uncle said, Tell me what Samuel said to you. 
Where's the excitement? See, something great has happened as far as the uncle is concerned. But as far as Saul is concerned, nothing out of the ordinary happened. Sometime God meets with you and because you're not aware of it, you're not excited about it. And life is just ordinary. But when you know that you've met with God and you've seen God work in your life and God has done something special, you're excited and you're ready to share it. And the uncle is saying, okay, you met with this great man, Samuel. What did he say? What did he say? But Saul didn't see anything special about what Samuel had said to him. He wasn't excited about what Samuel had said to him. He wasn't excited that Samuel had already anointed him. He's not excited that God told Samuel, you're going to be king over Israel. Not excited about that. Follow me a little further here. Saul replied, He assured us that the donkeys have been found. (laughs) He assured us that the donkeys have been found. But he did not tell his uncles what Samuel had said about the kingship. What's so exciting about the donkeys been found, but you don't have them with you? But we know, somebody knows where the donkeys are. But God has said to you through Samuel, you're going to be king of Israel. How many of you, boy, if God said you were going to be king or queen, or if God said he's going to drop a million dollars into your lap, or if God says he's going to move you from here to a beachland property, all paid for, boat and everything, would you be telling people? I would use no secondly. I'll tell you what happened. Then say no, you can't get none. <laughs> See, the whole process is this here. He was not excited about what God has said to him. We ought to be a people who are excited when God is doing change in our lives. But the telltale sign when we're not really willing to do God's will, is when we're not excited about what God is saying to us or the changes he's making in our lives. We're not excited about it. And he simply says, boy, what did Samuel say? The uncle wants to know. But he tells him about the donkeys, not about everything else. So where's his focus at? On his donkeys. And catch this. God can be talking to you about your future. And you're only looking at your past. And God can't make you turn your eyes off your past. Or your presence. To see the vision of your future. And what God wants to show you is the vision of your future. Not so much your present or your past, but your future. But couldn't get Saul's eyes off of his past that he could see his future. Come on down with me in 21, 22, the third thing that tells us. This was not exciting for Saul. In 21, it says, He brought forward the tribes of Benjamin, the clans, clan, clan of Matra. Clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was not to be what? Yeah. He's not to be found. He's not excited about this. 
Look what else it says now. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes. He has hidden himself among the baggage. Sometimes God is trying to make a change in your life. But your life is so hidden in the baggage of your past. The baggage of your presence. Rather than letting it go. And stepping forward to what God is calling you into. Saul is hiding from this change that God has given him an opportunity to accept. He's hiding. See, we can jump ahead of Scripture and we can always go with the issue. Well, the one God really meant was going to be David. If that was so, Saul would have never said. Samuel would have never said to Saul. If you would have followed instructions, God would have established your kingdom forever. And he's saying the same thing to us. If we will only follow instructions, God will establish us for the rest of our life. And we'll follow the instructions. But when change come around, you're right. A lot of people hide. Where do they hide at? They hide in their old life. Because they don't want to accept the new life. Change come about, boy, they don't want it because it's more of a burden. It's more than what maybe they could have ever dreamed or thought of. Could you imagine Saul really ever dreaming of seeing himself being king over Israel, leading Israel? Never in his wildest dream. But yet God is saying, this is what... I'm going to use you at. That's too much. And sometimes change for us is too much. I don't want to accept it. It's too much. I can't see myself in that position. I can't see my... There's nothing in Gus Brown that qualifies Gus Brown to be a pastor. Nothing. I'm poor in spelling, poor in speaking... Poor in my Greek, got through it, but no, nothing exciting. Didn't get A's and B's. Little Hebrew study, didn't get no great grades. Got enough to get through it. But there's nothing great in and of myself that says, boy, you could be a pastor. There's nothing great in you about being a mechanic or being this or being that. It is God working through you that enables you to do what you're able to do today, period. And sometimes God is just working through you mercifully. (laughs) It's not his blessings. He's just being merciful to you, just like he allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. But when the blessing comes, he just allows you to shine. He just allows you to shine. And you're able to do more than what you ever thought. And you won't even complain about it. You'll do more. Because you know who has enabled you to do the more. And it says, he was hidden among the baggage. He was hidden. Not willing to accept it. Look at Saul's life. And ask yourself. Why wouldn't he take the change? Why wouldn't he allow God to do it? And then ask yourself this one. Why won't I let God change my life? What is it that's keeping me. From God changing me. Is it that I won't listen? I won't follow his instructions? I won't be obedient to it? Is it that it's my anger? I want to blame everybody else. And I'm angry with everybody else because I don't have. I can't get. 
It's my anger that lashes out at everybody else. Yes, I want God's things. I want his blessings. I want his riches. But I'm not willing to live his way. What is it that's stopping you from changing and being all that God desires you to be? What is it? We all can ask that question. I have to ask myself those questions. What is it that's in Gus Brown that stops God's change from taking effect? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Father, that we'll even go back over what we've even heard today and we'll go back to the scriptures to see if it be so. And we'll take even a deeper look at Saul, O oh God, to understand that he never had a heart for you. He never was willing to do what you really wanted him to do. And everything he did, O oh God, it was always from a selfish perspective. Even though you took him, Lord, from one position with his father and put him in a whole different position as being the head of Israel, his heart was not for you. And Lord, you can change our environments. You can put us in a different place, a different location. You can put us in different places. But, oh God, until our hearts change, until we're willing to be obedient to you, until we're willing to say, yes, Lord, everything else is superficial. It really doesn't have any meaning. That's why we don't hear Saul's name spoken in the New Testament per se. But the people rally around that name of David. Even though Saul was first, he was not the famous one. It was David. 